Messy Mania has arrived in the US and the Washington Commanders have been officially sold. It's Friday, July 21st. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter and this is Front Office Sports Today. The Commanders have officially changed hands from Dan Snyder to Josh Harris. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports senior reporter AJ Perez. How's it going, AJ? I'm doing well. Long day uh, kind of concluded quickly here, which was great. Yeah. So for all the drama leading up to this sale of the Commanders, it seems like the actual approval vote uh, went as smoothly as it could. Yeah, exactly. There was a little wrangling over the release of the second investigation into the team led by Mary Jo White, which was which came out um, pretty much right when the official announcement came. Uh, we were able to confirm the, uh, that you know Harris had uh, easily um, yeah, taken control of the team by um, you know, ended up being all 32 owners voted in favor, including the rep for Dan Snyder to approve Josh Harris's six billion dollar purchase, and uh, he's a, he's effectively in control of the team now. So and now there now begins the uh, the rehab job that is the Commanders. Yeah, yeah, it should be interesting to see how he, he handles that significant rehab job. What do we know about the Mary Jo White um, release that, that came out basically simultaneously with this vote? Yeah, it confirmed uh, our exclusive report from March 2022 about uh, the holding back league revenue. So the uh, Dan Sider was fined $60 million, which he already had the highest fine in league history from the last investigation um but the the, the fine um you know also includes the um the um so it was sustained according to the report the um allegations of um workplace harassment um of uh, dan snyder uh, there was an incident by tiffany johnston who was a former cheerleader who said she was touching inappropriately uh, at a at a work event and uh, mary jo white was able to uh, uh confirm that that indeed happened so that totality of the fine includes Holding back team, uh, holding back league revenue, having two sets of books that was our exclusive uh, from last year, and um, and uh, you know including the harassment, and this is uh, pretty damning. And it's is this if if this uh, sale didn't go down, that that was more than enough um, to force Dan Snyder out. I think this this was hanging. We we all speculated this was hanging over Dan Snyder. This is one of the reasons why he was going to have to sell the team. Um, and, and granted, he. He's getting seven hundred percent profit from this team from when he bought it in in uh, you know, over twenty four years ago. So you can't really too feel too bad for him, especially with all the scandals and all the on top of the team just not being successful. Yeah, and are any of these legal issues could they become attached to the team and become Josh Harris's headache now that he owns the team? Doesn't appear so. Uh, we don't know the details on yet. I'm sure we'll get those in the next few hours uh, or days. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there. From what I was told from my sources, Harris, the league didn't want to saddle Harris with any kind of major bills from any of these investigations that are going on. Now there's a couple. Now that Mary Jo White's is done, there's still the uh, federal investigation that's ongoing, and we don't know where that's going to head. That could even be criminal. So uh, certainly, Josh Harris will have no, we won't, we won't have to worry about that at all. Um, but the the other part of it is also there's also a pending investigation in Virginia, the Attorney General there, and there's still a lawsuit in DC. So there, there, there could be some more, some economic fallout, including and and then just just a few days ago, we learned that uh, the former uh, team executive who actually made those claims to Congress about holding back revenue, he's suing for defamation for about eight million dollars as well. So that'll, yeah, you know, th- those are tied to the team. Uh, the uh, Stan Snyder was was not a 
uh, defendant in that lawsuit. Um, one of his other lawyers was, as, as, as well as the team. So we're, we don't know where that's going to play out. Um, and that's, uh, so that's very early with that lawsuit. So there's still things hanging out there, but they're not going to, I don't think uh, Josh Harris will have to worry too much about those. Yeah, but it'll be keeping you busy, I'm sure. AJ Perez, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> thanks for having me. Lionel Messi makes his debut tonight in Miami. Joining me now to discuss what this will mean for the league and the city is Front Office Sports Newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. Great to have you. So the biggest global soccer superstar, possibly the biggest global athlete, is is taking his talents to Miami. What's this going to mean for, for the city, for the team? So it massive change to the uh, the club itself into Miami. You know, Miami's kind of a funky uh, sports market. There's like five or six different Miamis between the beach and downtown of Fort Lauderdale and so on and so forth. And historically, these teams have struggled a bit to get urine and yet attendance, particularly when the teams are not winning. Look no further than the Marlins and all the struggles they've had despite two World Series titles. But you know, the Inter-Miami went from zero to 100 with this signing, and already the team owner, or the majority owner, Jorge Moss, is talking about revenues and franchise value doubling or maybe more than that over the next year thanks to uh, his arrival. Yeah, and one point that David Sampson, former president of the Marlins, has made to me is that it is a funny market because it's a very transient market. You have got a lot of New Yorkers, a lot of retirees from all over the place. And they don't, they, you know, they might be Mets or Yankees fans or Dodgers fans. And a lot of the people, it's obviously a big market. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of people. It's very diverse. Uh, a lot of the right ingredients for a great sports market, but not every team can has managed to take hold. I think the Marlins are the perfect example of that. It'll be interesting to see if Inter-Miami can vault to that next level with the biggest star in the world. Yeah, it, and it's going to be incumbent upon the team to really, you know, after sort of the initial honeymoon effect wears off, to continue to show some progress. Uh, the team is not playing very well, so wins are going to need to come in short order. Uh, but also, the fans are just going to need to have a really good time out there and, and um Messi himself is going to need to put on a show, win or lose. Uh, but it's really going to be important on that to have that really good driveway to driveway experience. And that's going to be tough because Miami traffic itself is notoriously difficult. But for, you know, you hear teams talk about that driveway to driveway experience, and it's going to be really important in this case, uh, certainly for Inter Miami. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, of course, it's important now. I think it's even important, more important next year, the year after, because they'll still have Messi, but it's, we don't know if they're going to be good. They're not a good team right now. Well, and he's uh, 36 now and he's going to be 37 next year. And, uh, you know, he, you know, father time is undefeated. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, yeah. How about for the league itself? What do you, what do you foresee in terms of how they're going to be able to leverage this into, you know, becoming taking that next step? This this is a big step for Don Garber in the league. He's really f spent his entire 24 years and counting as commissioner trying to convince the world that this league belongs on, you know, the big boy table of the of global soccer up there with the Premier League and La Liga and Bundesliga and Serie A and so forth. And that's been a real big uphill fight. And in even current rankings, depending on who you look at, have 
MLS 16th, 18th, 20th, what have you, that they're, that they're not up in the uh, upper echelon. And we, part of that is that the world's best in this sport in the prime, prime of their careers are not going to MLS. They're going to some of these other leagues that I mentioned. And yes, Lionel Messi is 36, but now we have a situation where the current best player in the world just led Argentina, uh, Argentina to the World Cup title. He has chosen MLS. He could have gone any number of different directions. And obviously, there were other offers on the table, but he chose MLS. And this is a huge feather in the cap of Don Garber and MLS. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to take, you know, more players being convinced to come over. It's also going to take MLS team owners uh, being convinced to open up their pocketbooks. They have a funny system where they have a pretty low salary cap, but they can make exceptions for certain players where they just pay them whatever they want. And that's kind of happening here. Right, exactly, exactly. And are more owners going to say like, okay, I'm only paying $5 million for, for the team, but will I now open up my pocketbook to get, you know, Harry Kane or whatever, you know, the next big star? Um, that's kind of a tough sell if, if you know, they're doing okay and they don't think they're going to have, see the revenues explode um, if they just get that one guy. But maybe if enough of them do it, MLS will start to up its stature and up its salary cap, and I guess we could see. Perhaps. And again, there's been a lot of great progress that Don Garber and his crew have made in terms of expansion, franchise values, new stadiums, and so on and so forth. But I had a TV executive tell me a number of years ago that MLS is still going to be in fundamentally the same place until they put on the big boy transfer pants and, and really pay those big dollars again and again and again. And that has yet to happen even no, we've had this uh, big moment now with Messi. Uh, so that's something that could be uh, remaining to be seen. And this comment that I'm referring to, that was before Saudi money entered in the picture. Now everything is getting changed yet again with Saudi Arabia using sports to you know, transform or try to transform their national image. Yeah, absolutely. Eric Fisher, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. 26 years ago to the day on July 21st, 2007, David Beckham made his first appearance as a member of the LA Galaxy in a friendly match against Chelsea. At the time, he was the most famous soccer player in the world. Now Beckham is part of the ownership group at Inter Miami that is bringing today's most famous star to MLS. Lionel Messi debuts for Inter Miami tonight against Cruz Azul at 8 p.m. Eastern. I spoke with an executive at MLS on what Messi mania means for the league and how this is the first page of the next big chapter in the league's history. That conversation is next. Very excited to be joined now by Dan Cordemanche, Executive Vice President of Communications at Major League Soccer. Welcome, Dan. Hey, it's great to be here, Owen. Yeah, great to have you on a momentous day for your league. So you've been at MLS for 25 seasons. The league itself is only 30 years old. What does this moment with Lionel Messi coming into the league mean in the broader context and history of the league? Yeah, you know, look, uh, I was fortunate. I was here at the start and left for three seasons from, from 2002, three and four, and came back in 05, and we've seen incredible growth. And when you think about it, 2007, David Beckham comes in and really changes the course and, course and the trajectory of Major League Soccer. But Lionel Messi, historic, seminal, transformational, you name it, the guy's going to bring us to a whole new level. You know, I, I assume we'll talk a little bit about our Apple partnership, but, you know, we're in more than 100 countries now. And to have, you know, arguably – the most iconic athlete on the planet now 
choosing to play in Major League Soccer and for Inter Miami um, is is incredible. And not only is he an iconic, the guy just won a World Cup. He scored seven goals seven months ago in the World Cup. So look, we're, we're thrilled it goes without staying. Is there any possibility of you guys over-indexing on, on Messi? Are you worried about becoming Messi League Soccer? No, I don't think so. You know, look, we we already were a global league when it comes to players by birth. We have players born in 81 different countries, which is about double the, the next closest domestic league and, and, and much higher than even the, the European leagues. We've, you know, Messi's actually the second Argentine World Cup player in our league, Tiago Amato from Atlanta United, uh, was his teammate, the youngest player actually on that that Argentina team. So we've got a, t- a lot of talented players in our league, but let's face it, nobody is as recognizable um, or as talented as Lionel Messi. That's not an opinion; that's a fact. Um, he's won, you know, World Player of the Year seven times, more than anybody in in, in global soccer history. Um, you know, clearly, you know, from a social media standpoint, traditional media standpoint, just general water cooler talk, um, you know, he's he's carrying the conversation right now. But once he gets in there and he's not going to score every goal when his teammates score great goals or the opposing team, um, you know, people will recognize that this is, you know, an exciting league. And hopefully, you know, we, we've we, we've got a, a large fan base now, but it's certainly going to skyrocket in the next coming weeks, months and years. Talk to me a little bit about the deal itself to bring Messi. And this was not a usual deal. I don't know if I can think of anything in any sport quite like it, because, of course, he could have, you know, made the entire salary of Inter Miami, you know, playing in other leagues. So you you brought in, you know, I, I understand he's getting a slice of the Apple deal, the Adidas deal. How did this all come together? Yeah. So look, from from our standpoint, you know, to the, the fact that Lionel Messi loves Miami. His family likes Miami. He owns a home. He might actually own two homes there. I'm not his real estate agent. Um, but but clearly had an affinity to Miami. That was important. So you got to go through the process. And ultimately, you sign a standard player agreement. Every player does in Major League Soccer. That's your compensation. Might include certain bonuses, a signing bonus. It might include a bonus for an all-star game. If you win MVP, it depends how you and your representatives negotiate that. Um, but certainly in this case, he had endorsements. He already has endorsements, but he had partnerships. And for, from our standpoint, he's been a longtime uh, representative uh, of Adidas. He has a great partnership with them. I'm sure all of your, your viewers and listeners uh, have seen all the stuff that he's done with Adidas. But he also entered into a relationship recently with Apple to conduct a documentary series, um, which was terrific. Uh from our standpoint, the fact that when our, our first of a 10-year partnership with, with Apple, the synergy was perfect. You know, we're a global league now with one push of the button anywhere, any place. You can watch MLS on Apple TV in more than 100 countries. So who best to reach those 100 countries? Lionel Messi. So he and his representatives certainly have discussions with Apple as to how they can partner as he comes to Major League Soccer regarding MLS season pass on Apple TV. Clearly, the league was part of those conversations. Enter Miami's part of those conversations. Um, uh, and, and, and that was extremely important. You know, our, our longest standing partner in Adidas and a relatively new but incredible and innovative partner in Apple coming together to bring Lionel Messi to, to Major League Soccer. Yeah, and glad you brought up the Apple deal because I was, was going to go there next. So yeah, you've got this this you know you're, you're very linked up with, with Apple now. Is it you know ten years? Uh, you're you know or quite possibly more. Um, 
Apple, of course, you know, one of the most established brand uh, companies in the world, but as a streaming service, you know, it's less established than, than Netflix. Probably you'd say the same about Disney Plus and maybe others. Anyway, what was what was that decision to, you know, hit your fortunes to this, um, to a streaming service, first of all, and and one that's, you know, less established than than some others? Yeah, if, if you look back as to when we were talking about our media rights, and I'll talk a little bit because it's not really media rights now, it's a partnership with uh, the most innovative company in the world. But what we were looking at it, you know, gosh, probably four or five years ago now. And we said, okay, the league's media rights are coming up uh, at the end of the 2022 season. Uh, How do we work with all of our clubs to make sure that their linear and streaming rights in local markets and regional uh, TV product would all expire at 2022? And we, and we, charted a course to do so, and then also making sure that our international rights would end at the 2022 season conclusion. So we set that up. They were all done. It allowed us the freedom to have options, options to go to the various companies that could do a global deal, or if we wanted to stay the traditional course that we've done in the past, we could do that. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, our, our commissioner, Don Garber, sat down with the folks at, at Apple, you know, discussions started and, and, and they've said it, you know, multiple times, certainly publicly, but even privately, that, that they wanted to enter into uh, a league that had a global opportunity and we had cleared the decks. So we were that league with a global opportunity. We're also a league, as I mentioned earlier, with players born in 81 different countries. And when we were in our discussions with Apple, you know, we were like, boy, wouldn't it be great if someone like Lionel Messi came to the league at some point? But that's really the only type of messy discussion that took place because honestly, you know, we knew Jorge Mas and Jose Mas and David Beckham had this grand vision of bringing the world's best, best players to Inter Miami. By the way, they've over-delivered now by bringing the best player. But I think people were like, wow, that, that's a great vision, but could they ever really deliver on it? Uh, they have. Um, so now uh, the, the fact that Messi's in the league, the fact that we have partners like Adidas and Apple coming together to help bring him here is, is really, you know, it's, it's creative, it's different, it's innovative, and, and hopefully strategic. We certainly believe so. Um, and now that you're a year or so into the deal with Apple, uh, are the numbers what you're hoping for? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. We met with Apple. They made a presentation at our board meeting uh, yesterday, Wednesday, uh, July 19th in, in Washington, D.C. And uh, again, I don't want to speak on behalf of, of Apple, but at EQ, they're, 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 they're you know, kind of number two overseas, all video services, content and everything uh, at, at Apple has said publicly that, that they are extremely pleased. We're ahead of projections. Our commissioner said that over the, over the weekend, or excuse me, over the past few days meeting with, with various journalists that, that we've exceeded expectations and that's before Lionel Messi joined the league. Um, so, you know, the, the sky's the limit with this partnership. And it really is a true partnership because you think, you know, traditional media rights agreement, you have a, a great partner who pays you money to broadcast your matches. In this case, we have a guaranteed fee, but then we share in revenue above and beyond a certain threshold. So Apple is extremely engaged in all aspects of this partnership, whether it's production, whether it's programming, whether it's promotion, whether it's communications, you name it. That um, They are all in on, on Major League Soccer, and we'll, we're thrilled to have them as a partner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so to, to bring, you know, not, not just, you know, 
Lionel Messi, I mean, not just Lionel Messi, but um, seems silly to say, but, you know, to get Messi in his prime, to get that next generation of superstars, MLS will probably have to find ways to pay players more to compete with, you know, the Premier League, the PSGs of the world. Um, are there plans to, to move in that direction? Yeah, well, well, first, you know, Lionel Messi could have gone to any club or any league in the world. Um, I'm not his agent or his financial advisor, but if you see the reports, there were places that he could have gone to where he would have made significantly more money than he's going to make in Major League Soccer or elsewhere. We'll leave it at that. Um, but the the average age of the international players coming into Major League Soccer, and it's been this way for the last five years, is right around 24 years old. We skew relatively young. A guy like Tiago Almada, he's the 22-year-old Argentine who was Messi's teammate in, in the World Cup, uh, or Ricky Puj, a guy who came from FC Barcelona. Um, and just turned 23. That's that's what we're looking at. I realize Ricky Pooch and Tiago Almada are not the household name that Lionel Messi is. Um, and and when people talk about you know the top players in the world, well, we think Ricky Pooch and Tiago Almada are certainly on a path toward becoming some of the top players in the world. But you're right. You know, as as we look at it, we we are a league where we're a salary cap league, but we have three spots, designated slots that we we call them, where you could pay those players as much as you want. So our owners have the opportunity to go out and secure any player from any league or any club in the world and pay them whatever they want. And they did that uh, with, with Lionel Messi. So the opportunity is there. But I do think, you know, over the over the years, certainly in the next day, decade, you'll, you'll see, you know, the evolution of, of where our league is coming, especially with, with all the incredible soccer content coming to the United States and Canada on the horizon, specifically the World Cup in 2026. Yeah. And yeah, that was going to be my last question for you. It's where do you want this league to be? Where do you want MLS to be as you approach that 2026 date? You know, it's interesting when in, in 2010, we put together a bid. We, the organizing committee, our commissioner, Don Garber, was was on that organizing committee. The chair was, was Robert Kraft, one of our owners. And as we put together that bid, we said, you know what? It's 2010, once again, we want to be one of the world's best leagues when the World Cup know, comes to the United States in 2022. Well, as we all know, it didn't happen in 2022. It went to Qatar. Um, that's another story for another podcast. Uh, but it is coming in 2026. And and we base that, you know, people like, oh, you want to be one of the top leagues in the world, you got to have the best players. Well, yeah, you got to have great players. But we looked at it at four key criteria. You want to have incredible quality of play, exciting, entertaining. You got to have relevance. You got to be important in your markets. You got to be important throughout the two countries where we play, and ultimately have a global play, which clearly we're doing with our partners at Apple, and then signing players like Lionel Messi. Uh, you got to have passionate fans. If you watch an MLS game or if you've been to one, sat in the supporters section, we certainly believe that. And then the overall value. You know, what is the value of your clubs? The value of the league. Um, and, and the folks at Sportico came out. You know, this this gosh, probably about a month or two ago, and they've and they had the valuation, the top fifty soccer clubs throughout the world. 18 of those soccer clubs were from Major League Soccer, nine from the English Premier League, six from Serie A. So we're achieving, and, and, and by the way, we've built you know 26 stadiums for soccer, you know our soccer teams and have incredible training facilities. So in many ways, we are among the top leagues in the world. You go back and people say, what about your quality of play? Well, when you think about that, we had more players in the World Cup in Qatar than any league in the Western Hemisphere and just outside the top five traditional European leagues. So so that's really our goal. And in many ways, we're there, but certainly, you know, there's a lot more to come. You know, we, we always say soccer's time is kind of here, but the best is yet to come. And, and really, the focus will be on the sport in North America because you've got Messi now, 
Next year, you have the Copa America tournament. It's a traditional tournament of national teams in South America, but they're going to play it in the United States. The year after that, 2025, you have the Club World Cup, the best clubs in the world who win their respective groups. So if Real Madrid wins the UEFA Champions League and LAFC wins the Champions Cup and the, the top team from from South America, they all come and they'll be playing in the United States in 2025. And then we top it off in 2026 with the FIFA Men's World Cup. And I shouldn't say top it, top it off because we're bidding on the Women's World Cup in 2027. And if we don't get it in 2027, I have to think we'll get it in 2031. So it's a pretty exciting time for the sport. Very cool. And actually, I do need to sneak in one more question just in our last yeah. minute here. The USL is going to consider promotion and relegation next month. Any chance that MLS at least consider something like that. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's interesting. It's a great question, and certainly we've been we've been asked that throughout the years. But we're a league that's twenty eight seasons in, um, and the short answer is we don't have any plans for promotion or relegation. All right, Dan Cordemanch, thanks so much for joining us on the show. You're quite welcome, Owen. It was a privilege, and, and appreciate you having me on. That's it for today. If you're in the Miami area, there might be just a little extra traffic tonight, so plan accordingly. Thanks for listening. Give us a rating or review on the podcast platform of your choice. Enjoy your weekend. We will see you on Monday. Monday.